Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you ever wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you looking for practical answers to these two vital questions? If so, welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and I am a storyteller. I interview thought leaders and people just like you who are learning and practicing the art and expanding on the science of leadership. Listen as my guests and I talk about what it takes to be a remarkable leader in the 21st century. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone who can hear the sound of my voice. It is time again for Denise Cooper and Closing the Gap. This is the place where you learn how to not only be better, but how to do better. Because when you do better, you close the gap from where you are now to where you want to be. And I am so excited, as I always am, because I have such great guests who are so willing and open to share their personal stories and in the stories of their work that change people's lives. And that's what we're here to talk about today, how we change people's lives from a point of being authentic storytellers. My guest is Melissa Reeves. <laughs> Hi, Denise. <laughs> Melissa is a professional and award-winning storyteller and a storytelling coach to executives. Her sales and marketing background include more than 20 years in technology enterprise sales. So now think about it. She was selling technology before technology was a hot thing, <laughs> as well as countless stage credits as a professional actor and improvisor. And I have to tell you, Melissa and I have a personal relationship as she's been teaching me how to up my game in the storytelling arena. And so, guys, if you want to leave a comment, please do. Am I getting better or not? (laughs) Melissa works for CEOs, founders and senior executives to build their storytelling skills and enrich their leadership impact. Melissa is a pitch coach for Founders Live, and we're going to talk about that, and invited to instruct storytelling for business narratives at conferences all over the world. So if you need a speaker who's entertaining and can get your folks rallied, Melissa's the person. So with that, Melissa! (laughs) What a wonderful intro. Thank you. I'm like, wow, that's me? Yay! (laughs) I know. Isn't it just kind of like when you come out and people do the intro and you're like, talking about (laughs) well it's just so funny because you know my parents really my father was a like a mba from harvard and i was this actor and he didn't know what to do with it Mm -hmm. and and i really wanted to pursue my acting big time in my 20s but sales and marketing were calling on me so that appeased my parents they were very happy about that but now i have actually figured out how my sales my marketing and my acting now all come to its own fruition if you will for the work that i do so there you oh, go, Daddy, on the other side. <laughs> Hope you're smiling, man. <laughs> I am. No matter what, he is smiling. Okay. Yes. <laughs> oh, so, and that's a great lead-in on, you know, people always want to know something interesting about my guest that's not in the bio. Mm-hmm. What would people be surprised to know about you? Would people be surprised to know about me? That I'm very gregarious out there in the world, but I really do value my quiet time. Like that is exceptionally important to me because it gets so busy out there when I, when I, when camera's on, if you will, because we're on zoom all the time that the first three hours of the day, I 
don't have appointments, <laughs> that I just stay with myself and I allow myself to really center and get charged for what's about to occur. Yeah. Kind of order your day, order your Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because most people don't spend a lot of time doing that. They just, here's my calendar. I've got my to-do list. Boom, charge right into it. Mm-hmm. And I know because we were in a relationship as a coach, you're one of my coaches and whatnot, that the importance of ordering your steps, ordering your story is what creates a great story. And, and that's kind of one of the practices that people don't take advantage of, particularly in my coaching you know, clients are always, I'm always saying, take five minutes, order your day, order your day, order your day, take five minutes, reflect on your day, reflect on your day. I have really found the magic of how you go to sleep before you move into your place of rest, that your mindset is really important, right? So just, I am trying to work on, even if I've had something that kind of, you know, may have upset me or concerned me or something to really go into like, that's going to go away. And I'm going to just give gratitude. Mm-hmm. For my day, my life, my pillow, my sheets. You know, mm-hmm. I get really kind of simple because when I'm at rest, when I wake up, I am now seeing that my energy is different. I've left off and I pick up where I left off. Yeah. And so that's been really, really helpful because there's a lot of stories that I'm listening to each day. And if I come in frenetic, you know, because I signed off that way into the land of nod, that's not going to serve anyone the next day. So mm-hmm. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Yeah. So Let's talk about this thing called storytelling. Mm-hmm. What makes a, a like an authentic story? Because I think some people are going to, they may listen to this, they may not listen, but they may hesitate because, you know, we have this idea that stories are like fairy tales or they're not true or they have to be perfect. I have to be perfect to tell a story, all of those kinds of things. But you talk about storytelling and you've taught me that storytelling is very, very different from that. Well, humans, we, we're all, we're walking stories. You know, we've had so many experiences, moments, especially, you know, we've walked a few decades, you and me, and we've brought forward a lot of moments where we changed, we grew, we've been in different clubs, right? We've been, mm-hmm. I've been in the, you know, well, we've all at this point have probably been in the twenties club, which is the decade of survival. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we've been in marriage clubs, divorce clubs, having baby clubs. I, I, I don't mean to call it clubs, but I don't know what all other to say or chapters. Let's yeah. call it chapters. Yeah. Chapters. And all of those are rich with stories and and things that people can relate to. Mm -hmm. If you're a parent, you're in the parent chapter with me, right? Mm -hmm. And then that's made up of little ones, little children chapter, tween chapter, teen Mm -hmm. chapter, young adult chapter, you know, so there's all these things and telling those stories, those moments can resonate with someone else who might Mm -hmm. be going through that challenge, Mm -hmm. you know, the terrible twos. I could have stories about they're not that terrible if you look at it from this way. And I can tell a few stories about when my terrible two-year-old was adorable, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. and and how she taught me how precious this time and this vulnerability of this child who is so brave and I as the parents should not be trying to contain them, let them roll. And so those, if I tell a specific story in a moment, I'm bringing you as the listener into my life. Mm -hmm. And that is a real moment and it has value. And it is my moments of wisdom that I can share. Right. 
But it's not about like, well, everything I do is so important. It's not about narcissism or arrogance that everything you've done, but every human being. And this is what I see most of all in my work is that so many people do not think that their stories of value. Mm. That who wants to hear my story? Right. I don't have any stories. And then we start talking and I start giving a few prompts maybe. And all of a sudden, or I tell a story and they're like, oh, that reminds me of my grandmother. Yes. Right. So you have stories, just trust and then learn. As you were saying, there are ways that we can tell the story so that it's compelling, interesting, because what I call an oratory story, which is what we're doing most of the day, is that it's a mind movie. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing stories and I'm putting pictures in your head Mm -hmm. as I tell the story. Mm-hmm. And that's why I love working with you because you have so many stories. <laughs> oh my goodness. You are n- not shy for stories. You've got so many and they're so fun. And, you know, I say it's a mind movie, which has a scene that opens and the second scene and the third scene. And there's moments that characters are coming in. And what I love about your work is that you're not afraid for those characters to be seen. I, yeah. I can see the room when you're telling me one of your stories, I can see the people. And that's what I just love working with you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. You know, a lot of the people that I work with are story shy. You know, they lean into the the numbers and the results. You know, we got these results. And oftentimes, particularly when we're trying to give feedback, and I'm not even saying constructive feedback, because that's really kind of got, when somebody says constructive feedback, we all go, You know, you're about to tell me bad news or I did something wrong, and blah, 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 you know, kind of thing. And there you know, is to grow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even that one is, oh, 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 oh now it's what's, what's wrong with me. And we don't want to be, we don't, we really are uncomfortable being flawed. We're really not, you know, we want perfection. We generally seek perfection. And some people, have a higher perfection need than other individuals. And oftentimes they lead with, you know, here was the numbers. This is what the bottom line said. This was the number of sales we had. This is the number of customers. And they believe that that's all the story. But when I work with you, when I'm talking to you, when you talk about the executives that you work with, Mm -hmm. you bring a different element to that. Can you share some of your stories or at least some of your work so that people can understand the power of bringing left brain, right brain, numbers, Mm -hmm. and empathy into the room. Absolutely. I can tell a couple. So the first one that comes to mind is, since you're talking about numbers, I have a CFO, Chief Mm -hmm. Financial Officer, and he's all about the numbers, right? Like he's, this is the bottom line. This is our profits and losses. This is where we project, you know, and that's all he does. But he is a magnificent storyteller and he sees the reasons why it matters. Because as you said earlier, left brain data can only go so far. In fact, it physiologically only goes so far. I see a lot of founders and executives showing their presentation and the first thing out of their mouths is data. It's a graph, it's a chart, it's a percent, it's a bunch of numbers. And my brain is only probably taking in about or 5% of activity. You know, I don't know the real number on that, but it's like left brain data analysis. And I'm looking to understand what that data means. But when you bring in story to exemplify, to bring those numbers to life, Then you are now activating serotonin, dopamine, oxytocin. I mean, there are so many physiological things that are happening and you're putting pictures and emotions into my head and my heart so that those numbers now have more significant meaning 
mm-hmm. to the listeners. Mm-hmm. I'll give an example of a recent founder that I have. His name is Juan. He has a wonderful company. He's starting up. It's called Lalo. And Juan, when I first met with him, he's an ex-Amazon, great guy, showed me his deck, all numbers, all graphs, all technical about how this was going to work technically. His graphs look pretty good, but they were still a lot of left brain stuff. And he was selling in this startup, if you will, the capturing of other people's stories Mm -hmm. so that when they depart from this earthly world, that the loved ones have one place that they can go and they can have real conversations that are prompted with grandma, pictures of her 90th birthday party. It's all captured in Lalo. Okay. And I said, so, so Juan, why don't you like, so how did you come up with this idea? And he's like, well, I lost my dad, you know, when I was in my twenties, I'm like, that's hard. He's like, yeah, it was like 18 years ago. And, you know, I was at his graveside and my wife, she's like, you know, honey, tell us a story about your dad. Lalo is his name. And nothing came up. Mm. Nothing. He was like, oh my God. And he realized there's so many people that probably have that. Like they had the photos in, in a box, they have videos somewhere, but they don't know where they are. And he realized that's got to change. I can't be alone on that. And so I look at him, I said, why are you not telling the story? And he said, no one would want to hear my story. It's gorgeous. Are you kidding? That's your impetus to why you're getting up and doing this every single day. That is your story fruition. That is your founder story. So he listened and we added it to his 99 second pitch. And prior to this, Juan was getting a lot of no's. He was getting, no, sounds good, but you're not, you're a little too early for us. You know, now give us a call back when you've got a little more traction. So $0. He puts the story in and we start him with, I'm standing at my father's gravesite. When my wife says the story I just told you, we put that in. He then shows his product, cleans up his slides, puts music underneath it and submits it out to, to his Twitter. Within five days, he had $200,000. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. People were like, your story moved me. Yeah. How can I get in? How can I support what you're doing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's Simon Sinek's why, right? Mm -hmm. People are more interested in why you're doing what you're doing than the what you're going to be doing because it connects us at a heart level. Yeah. And it moves us from a heart level. And for investors, you know, they probably see hundreds of hundreds, maybe thousands, depending on the investor. They get pitches all the time. And everyone sounds, you know, the numbers are that just kind of there and looking like, you know, this is the numbers. But I think you're right. I think the ones that really say yes to them are the ones that have a really great story of why. And the passion comes through. And when I see that kind of passion in people, when I was an executive, then I would give them way more authority to deliver on an idea than someone who brought me the numbers. The reason is, is because I knew they were tied to that project in a personal way. Yeah, exactly. That is so true because it's human connections. Like I was saying earlier, like, well, just walking storybooks, if you think about it, right? Storybooks with legs and wisdom, but we have this gift of our mouths (laughs) that can come alive and using our voices and our pauses and things like that. So those are some of the tactical things that I teach. But another story that I saw was the CFO Mm -hmm. and he was, he was walking into an organization was manufacturing. And as a CFO, he is the numbers guy. But they were having a huge problem. They were having a revolving door. People were coming in and they were leaving. They were coming in and they were leaving and they were becoming in crisis. They had someone that was sitting in the organization that was kind of had lost touch 
with that a little bit. And that can happen as companies grow. They can ebb and flow, as you know, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But they can be really in touch with their employees and then they can kind of like get sidetracked over here. So this gentleman went into the manufacturing plant just to see the people, to get to know them. And it had been limited for him to be able to do that due to COVID, but he walks in and it's very busy and he sees this woman and she's sitting on pillows and she's got on goggles and she's holding in front of her this giant magnifying glasses in front of her and she's holding these tools and she's soldering and she's soldering this this cable and he knows what that cable is. And suddenly he, he literally time travels back to when he was 25 years old and he's standing on a Navy ship and he's looking at the airplanes. As he's looking inside, he sees those very cables. Yeah, Those yeah. cables act as the central nervous system to those airplanes that our military use to fly, do their job and come home safely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. So as he's sitting there, he's seeing his past coming forward. Okay. One of the things that they had heard was that there was not the correct updated safety equipment. Mm -hmm. So in the boardroom meeting, he told that story and the hearts of everyone opened up their realization like, Ooh, we didn't know that that was happening. We missed that. And now he was able to get the budgets Mm-hmm. approved to move in the direction that he needed to keep his employees feeling as though that they were connected mm-hmm. and paid attention to and honored for the work that they did. Because it wasn't just building cables. It was about, at the end of the day, they're saving lives. That yeah. cable saves lives. And so he found that heart mm-hmm. because he and could have just said, here's the here's the budget. We'd like to spend this much. Yeah. And then it would have been a exercise of Where do we cut to save this instead of how do we grow to pay for this? Exactly. I mean, it was impossible for them to say no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) When he told that personal story and that connection, he's like, Mm -hmm. I'd only worked here eight months, but I realized I'd been working with them for 25 years. Yeah. Yeah. And that at one point in my life, someone like her saved my life or saved my friend's life. These people who I gotten to know and and looked at. And that's such a beautiful story because it also talks about is a good illustration of how teams work. Because oftentimes we pit one department against another department. Well, you're just the people in the manufacturing don't have, you know, what it takes. You don't see the big picture, you know, all those conversations. Yet if that woman doesn't do a really good job there, it affects the customers, which affects somebody's life, which affects the decision whether we're coming back or not. Right. Oh, absolutely. And and you were saying, you know, that someone may have helped her, but these people who are working the floor, many of them had this job for 30 years. This is what they did. So it could have been Edna that, made the, <laughs> that cable that he saw, you know, I mean, this is how they dedicate their lives, but he humanized everything. He humanized it. And he found that story in one of the workshops that I had conducted. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, so Melissa, when you're working with somebody, say you're in an organization now, mm-hmm. the executive is, you know, kind of a numbers person, fast thinking, you know, kind of spits out what's there. And all, also one of those, you know, kind of go-getters, you know, hey, we have to add this and add this and add this. But you can tell that the way he's approaching this is not engaging people. What would be a couple things that a person that you would tell this person they need to learn so that they can improve the impact of their leadership? Because storytelling does that in my mind. Yep. Great question. I think rather than me telling them how to do it, I usually end up what I call story mining. So (laughs) they'll be showing me something and I just 
because I'm curious and I know that I need to find something that will be something that people can bite on. So I just, I start asking a lot of questions until I find the story. And then I usually can play it back to them and they go, Ooh, that's going to make this chart more interesting now, isn't it? I'm like, yes. I saw this gentleman, he did a chart and he's a total left brain guy, wonderful human being. He does tech payments. Okay. And he showed us a chart where his, his sales were going up, 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 up. And then boom, it went crashing down. Oh and he said, and he said, see that? And then it went back up, but he goes, see that? That's COVID. Ah. And then he moved on. Now, right there was the shortest story in the world. But look at your reaction. You went, oh, that's COVID. Now, if it had been me, I would have said a little more. So I would have said, see that? That's May 2020. Remember when we were all afraid to leave our homes and we had to wash our groceries before we came in from Costco? And, and did we need to wear masks everywhere? No masks? Yes, masks. No masks? Remember the chaos? We stopped spending. We stopped going to restaurants. We stopped going to the mall. We stopped. And then we figured it out. Oh, I can have things delivered to me. Oh, I can I can wear masks and I'm, I might be protected. Okay. And life started to come back. And that's when the sales started to go back up. And not only did they go back up, we got smarter with how to live from a 3D world to a 2D world. Mm -hmm. And my company was right there to catch catch everybody on the rise again. Yeah. Yeah. That's way more powerful especially when you're trying to talk to your team about after going through this. And I think that's one of the, the things that some companies or some executives are missing is that we want to watch what happened for 18 months, 20 months, 21 months and say, well, we're just going to go back to the new normal. And the new normal for me is, you know, I was wearing a blue dress now I'm wearing a red dress, uh, you know, but it's still a dress is a dress, but we're thinking we're going to go back to that when this is an opportunity for us to really data mine and tell better stories about how we were resilient, how we were able to forgive ourselves for not knowing and, and being in a mode of redemption so that we could take these lessons and tell a story which really memorializes what happened and teaches people how to get to the next level faster and quicker. Yeah, we will never forget this time in history. Mm -hmm. This COVID has changed the world. It's changed the way that we have operated, as you're saying. I talked to so many founders under the Story Fruition world of response to that, mm -hmm. you know, like education. We used to have kids get dropped off and go to after school camps, you know, because the parents needed them to do something or they weren't getting their needs in STEM met. So they're going to take them themselves to us to a school. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Get smart, Bobby. Learn how to code. <laughs> but now we've learned that remote learning isn't so bad. Yeah. You know, it's have, not it's so different. bad. It's different. It's different, but it's convenient. I know a lot of people that like, I, I'm in a networking group and it was always live. Like we get up in the morning, we'd go there, we'd be there by 8.15. Everyone's dressed, you know, and have some breakfast. Lovely. It's lovely. But Zoom's been awfully nice. I, I save a half hour of travel there and back, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I can be wearing sweatpants. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And my gas, you know, automobile gas bill has gone freight down. Oh, yeah. Freight times up at least. Oh, you will yeah. not hit your, your mile goals. <laughs> yes, for a change. Exactly. In a, in a country that everybody's got to have a car, right? Yep. Out yeah. of it. You know, you have another. So we've been talking about story fruition. And before we get off, I just really want you to talk a little bit about melanin stories that matter, mm -hmm. which is your passion project, which you it don't is. talk to people unless they really ask you about your passion project. Could you tell us a little bit about that and why you decided to give that platform, give people that platform? 
Yes, definitely. So it's it's uh, spring of 2020, and we've all watched a lot of horrible images and realizations of police brutality against people of color. And it I don't even have to name them. You already can see them in your minds, right? And it was so outrageous. And I wanted to protest. I wanted to protest, but I was scared of one, they were tear gassing. I'm in Seattle. They were protesters were getting tear gassed as well as COVID. So how how can we stop this? Why are we so cruel? Why is it this is the 21st century? Why are we still so racist against each other? Mm -hmm. And then this voice said, well, Melissa, remember your Oklahoma kinfolk? They're pretty racist. Oh my God. Oh, they were. And I actually have a story that I told about, it's called Chocolate and Vanilla. And it's a story about my own apprehensions. I had kind of fallen for a black man, but I was terrified of my own family's reaction to it because they were from Oklahoma and it's just what it is. And I'm not proud of it, but it's built who I am today. And I have come at peace with it. So I told this story and my friend was like, it's great that you have that story. You're being completely vulnerable, but it's not the white woman's story that needs to be heard. It's the people of color's story that needs to be heard. And so we were like, then let's create our own platform that's in the safety of our living rooms. That's called Melanin Stories Matter. And we launched these storytelling shows that would have six to seven storytellers of all cultures talking about usually a theme. You know, I've learned so much, like one of my storytellers who's from Puerto Rico explain how in her own family lineage, she has an array of melanin skin tones mm -hmm. in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. I could be Puerto Rican because I okay. could have been of Spanish descent, but she talks that she would name all of her family members by food. She's like, my grandmother is, is caramel. My aunt is cream of wheat. I'm caramel mocha frappuccino. And my grandfather <laughs> is dark chocolate. And it was just so beautiful. She put all these different images and then she moves into stories of her walking the planet with her skin tone and moments of racism that she had to endure because these stories. And so we have probably, we've done six shows. So we did our inaugural in, in September, October, we did Your Vote Matters, and we wanted to hear stories as to why it's important to vote. So people were telling quite a few stories, and then we tie in the theme. Then I did an indigenous, indigenous show where I had seven indigenous storytellers talking about, talking about things like, because I grew up in the Midwest, and apparently, you know, we're only told what our history books have told. If you don't yeah. question it, you've got a false narrative yeah, yeah. going on in your head. Yeah. And to the Native American culture, Thanksgiving is a horrible day. Yeah. It's a day of pain. And so I was taught the stories that are of truth that are not told. And so when you hear these stories, you're educated, you're enlightened, you see people for being humans mm -hmm. and not just of this ethnic class or this demographic, you see humans. And so I love Melanin Stories Matter. It's, so it's Melanin Stories Matter. We're on YouTube. We've done, we've done Black history. We're trying to reach and have everyone at the table, right? So if you have storytellers out there that are interested, I'm always looking for, the, for my storytellers. I do coach some of them. Some of them, though, are professional storytellers and they just show up and they drop the mic. <laughs> but we have it interactive, too. So it's like I might be coasting, which is interesting because we joke. We're like, mm -hmm. I'm the white elephant in the room. Let's talk about it. And I can yeah. kind of share the reasons why the story needs to be all inclusive so that we're celebrating our diversity. Yeah, we're celebrating it, not rubbing up against it. And so we're going to proceed. I see a lot of opportunities for growth with the show being not just an online show, but live shows, 
a book, streaming. There's there's a lot that we want to do with this because the more we can scale it, the more we can teach people to listen to stories. You don't know someone's story till you listen. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for asking me. Well, I asked you for two reasons. One, I just think the work that you're doing is so important. And I want to, and as much as I have benefited from Story Fruition side of you, your business side of it, something that people who have listened to me for a while, either here or in other speaking opportunities, whatnot, one of the things I'm concerned with is how we think about DEI. And over the last 18 months, we've had a lot of companies that do these listening listening circles, which is kind of the number one thing that happens in DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I think that the way to up the game and to bring those stories to be more powerful is to really have someone help people craft the story so that the story is not coming from a place of pain, but a place of power and education so that people can take away lessons versus be left in the pain of humility and embarrassment and guilt and denial. I wasn't there. It wasn't me. How are you you know, painting the brush that I might be like this? I've never treated you that way. And it's because we don't always understand the impact of our, our stories, of our behavior is different than the intention or the desire that we have in our head. Intent and desire are all invisible. And we only get judged on the impact of what's happening. So it seems to me that if truly having listening circles is the way to go, then we have to teach people how to tell really good stories, yeah. you know, and, and in that lesson, and we're coming towards the end, what's a couple things, two, three things that people need to know about telling a story that actually change people's minds? Yes. Great, great comments that you're making. I want to, I want to add though, that when you're telling a story, it's really key that you're telling a scar story and not a wound story. If you can't get through the story yet, it's not ready to come out. You got to, maybe you're still living through it. Mm-hmm. And, and there's elements that maybe you can talk about, but if you feel in your gut that this story just can't come out yet because it hurts too much, time needs to do its work. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what is that? There, there's no rule on that time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I helped with a story on Melanin Stories Matter, where one of my favorite storytellers, Corey, told the story 54. And it was about his father passing away when he was only 11. Mm-hmm. And so the age of 54 has always been daunting to him. And this is 42 years later, right? You think this is a scar. We can tell this story. We got into moments during mining that it, it hurt, but he got through it and he was able to do it. And it's one of my favorite stories. It's so vulnerable and it has such a powerful message in that. So I hope I answered your question there. That and to one of the first lesson is, is that when we're in these circles, tell a story mm-hmm. that is a scar, not a wound. Right. Tell a story that's a scar, not a wound. Also, little stories can educate in the DEI. So some of the work that I was doing, because again, you know, white girl from the Midwest, you know, false narratives infused into their head, you actually don't even realize that your actions, your physical actions are microaggressions mm-hmm. that create a small, painful story, a, a wound to a person of color. Someone told me that he was getting on the bus and a woman held her purse closer to her. Mm-hmm. That is an action that we need to correct. We need to not do those things. And that's the the false narrative that's in the head. So being aware of of your actions and and that we are creating stories all day long. So if you don't think you have stories, the story is you do. (laughs) You do. And are you going to go to sleep at night where you're doing your appreciation and think, did I give forth love? 
And when I tripped, did I learn from it? Mm-hmm. So that's that's really important. So learning how to craft a story, one, make sure it's something that's real, something that's spoken to you, something where you learned who you were and you changed. And all sides have stories. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got these false narratives. We're just human beings. Mm-hmm. That, that have that, but then learn how to construct the story. And that's more of the tactical stuff that mm-hmm. like, you know, story fruition or melanin stories matters comes in and does, you know, because as you know, I always call it the mind movie mm-hmm. and you have to have particular things covered in your story so that, and I say this in the book I'm working on keeping the train on the tracks, because mm-hmm. as you're telling a story, keep your characters that are in it, that mattered in this story, that's it. If there were other people in the room, but they they didn't contribute really to the story, it's okay. You can take them out because you want to keep your story clean so that I can follow it. And I'm not going to start asking questions like, mm-hmm. who are they? What was your relationship to them? I don't mm-hmm. get it. Where were you? I don't know where you were. When you're not telling a story that's covering that, they'll start to wonder and then they'll wander away. And that's mm-hmm. unfortunate because if they wander away, then it's hard to jump back in. Because <laughs> the story's like a river, it's moving constantly. So yeah. So that's that's part of the thing that, you know, organizations that want to hear their own their own staff's stories, you know, that's that stuff can absolutely be taught so that when it's delivered to the group, it's got that impact that you were talking about. And people can learn from the story. They can be empathetic about the story, but they learn, which is the yeah. same skill that you talked about with the CFO. It's just a different way of thinking about it. And that's mm-hmm. the other piece that I think is that you've taught me is that we kind of think of our stories, whether it's, you know, the lady soldering the, the cable or it's the woman who pulled the her purse up because a black man showed up, right? Mm-hmm. We think that these stories don't matter. And I think the thing that you've taught me is little stories that connect us as humans is actually what does matter. And the thing that holds us back is our lack of vulnerability about understanding and realizing that we really all do matter. We do. Yeah, all of us matter and that you've got to step into that vulnerability of telling your story, whether it's a scar or it's a point that you're just trying to connect people to, to make us all understand that we all matter. We're a team. This is the impact of what you do. We just have to simply be open to step into that part of our life because that's the piece that brings us together. It's the piece that gives us our clubs or tribes or groups or teams at work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How can people get a hold of you? Oh, well, storyfruition.com. Okay. It's Melissa at Story Fruition. If people are interested, that's the, if you're a founder or you're in the corporate world and you want me to come in and help your team become better storytellers, I'm even building story libraries now for companies because stories are shared corporately, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or in a nonprofit. I have a nonprofit that I'm doing this for. And so when you're new, you don't know anything about your company, right? You're already nervous. But if you can grab stories <laughs> and start to learn the stories, the common stories, the founder story, the customer success stories, so that you can tell them better, you start to integrate it. And so I love that. Love that. That's story fruition. If you are interested in being a storyteller or you are interested in talking about an advisory board position, I'm always open to that. That's hello at melaninstoriesmatter.com. We also have our website and then you can go to, if you want to see any of our content, it's pretty robust. We have full shows as well as singles of the storytellers. We really highlight the storytellers and that's on YouTube. Okay. We're everywhere, but like 
I always want to direct people to YouTube because you can actually see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's something about the power of the body in yeah. the story that's different, not better, but just different than listening to it as like in a podcast or something. But when you can see the person's angst, when you can see the pain and the sweat, there's something that goes on differently in hormones and body. That's a little different. Well, folks, you know what? It's that time. And I hate it because Melissa and I, we could like go deeper and deeper and deeper into this because stories really do connect us. They remind us of our humanity. They give power to and poise and pleasure to our flaws because it is only through adversity that we learn how to be better. How do we get resilience? And our stories teach us how resilience actually looks like in the real world. And with that, you know what I'm going to say. It's a wrap. See you next week. Bye. Thank you. That's a wrap. And I'm Denise Cooper, and you've been listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. Let me thank my good friend Ivan G. Hall for the background music. I'd like to ask you to do three things. One, if you liked it, share it with your friends. Let's build up our community. Two, subscribe so that you don't miss when a new episode drops. And lastly, if you've got a question or a comment, leave it below. I'd love to hear what you thought was good, what I could do better, and what topics you'd like to hear about. Let me thank my guests one more last time. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Bye.